0: Hawks, Hawks, live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave, Dave Wyman. Wyman.
1: Yes, thank you, big voice guy. We are here at the Snoqualmie Casino, and I'm joined by Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. NASA Chobi, our executive producer out here, and a nice crowd out here at uh, the Snoqualmie Casino. This is an interesting move, getting Quandae... Quandre Diggs. I, I, I blame me Andre for that. Quandre Diggs. Yes, you put that in my mind. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I thought the safety position. I've been kind of unsettled about that. I know the big debates on. Well, for a while there, they were talk, People were talking about the corners. Are they good enough? I think that question's pretty much been answered. Those guys both played really well, and then you know, there's the hand ringing over the sacks. But to me, I've been worried about your old position, Paul, and that's safety, because I just they were so good at that position. I think they need a hammer on defense, somebody who's a hitter. I love Marquise Blair. I, mm-hmm. I like yeah. the way he plays. Yeah. I, I like everything about him. But, you know, it's still kind of unsettled. Bradley McDougal having some back spasms, yeah. and then Leno Hill's been hurt, and Tedrick Thompson has kind of fallen out of favor. I'm with you on that, Paul. I've just been saying that all week, that Look, it was two plays. They were glaring. And they were, I've never, we've never heard Pete use the word distasteful. But, you know, he's played well, too. I mean, the interceptions he got in L.A. and Cleveland against the Rams and the Browns, those were fantastic. I'm not sure if there's a lot of guys in the league that can make that play. But Quandre Diggs, kind of interesting. 5'9, 200 pounds. He can play safety, he can play nickel corner. What do you think he uh, he brings to uh, this team, guys?
0: You know it, what was interesting. I think we were all surprised, and you know we start doing some research on him, and you, you go, okay, he's he's a Seahawk kind of player. They they love. He's a thumper. You know, pound for pound, that guy will knock you out. And he can cover, and he makes plays, and he's a leader. I'm cur- I'm, I'm curious if the move is less about. Tedrick and all the injuries we, we got a lot of young secondary guys other than McDougal right mm-hmm. I just don't think you can live with your 4-3 base defense 70% 80% of the time you, you're saying we're not going to play man in those situations and in this league at some point you have to play man and shut things down you, you can't play zone on, on third and three to an extent you can't play a steady diet of it at the very least and here's a guy that they can bring in potentially in the nickel. And again, I am speculating, like you know, nobody's business right now. Can they bring him in there in the nickel, and they say, okay, we still feel pretty good against the run and his tackling ability, um, you know? And maybe they move him to free. I, I, I don't know. I, I think right now they're trying to figure out what is the best matchup, and maybe it is eventually. It's Blair or it's Diggs at the strong safety position, and you put McDougal back at free. Or maybe Diggs is at free. I, I, I got to see that as well. He, he is such an interchangeable type of player because he can play some. He does play nickel. He can play either one of the safety positions, and you cannot put him and say, oh, he's only 5'9". He can't play strong safety. Yeah, he can and so I, I'm really curious to see how this plays out in the next few weeks.
2: I think that's why they bring him in because he can play so many positions. And there is a question at free safety because of health, and strong safety because of health, and the nickel because they don't run it. And I think as the season goes along, and especially this week, there has to be more nickel. I think last week we didn't see it much because of the beasts rub up against double tight fullback type sets. There's no real need for a nickel, but I think going forward, when you play the Falcons and you play the Niners now who have a, a number one receiver um, in Emmanuel Sanders, you have to adjust a little bit. The Hawks are always going to say they're going to stick by their base, stick by what they do, but this move leads me to believe that they're thinking about doing some other things. And another thing I like about Diggs is that maybe he teaches Blair how to play the position in that way because Marquise Blair wants to play the position the way that Diggs play, plays the strong safety, free safety position, coming downhill, um, playing fast, hitting hard. So maybe there's some guidance there. Um, No matter what they're thinking, I like the move just because of the health and the production. And people will highlight Tedrick Thompson on his two uh, big plays he gave up. He's also made some big plays. And I think it's just inconsistency. And when you're not consistent in the spot, you can't expect the Hawks just to sit down and do nothing, right? They have to make a move.
1: You know, it's interesting, not that this tells the whole story, but one of the the 30-yard scramble – Nickel was in. You know, know, yeah. It wasn't because they had their three linebackers, and actually they got a great blitz. Jamar Taylor came off the edge and came all the way around and almost got him. But, you know, you take that scramble away, and it puts him down to, what, 85 yards or something like that. So, yeah, I'm not so sure if that's hurting them or not. Well, but so,
0: so here, here's my point. You might uh, see that this week. Because when we play Nickel, I think we're, we are fifth in the league, giving up 33%. On third down situations, that is good. I, we'll, we'll take that. But when they do the matchup on first and second down, and we're giving up, you know, the seventy percent completion percentage, and we're bending, bending, bending. At some point, you got to get them in the second long situations, or second and ten, or third and ten situations, yeah. and that's where I just to play sixty-five, seventy percent with your base defense on first and second down the whole time. I get the reasons. But at some point, you got to match up and say, what are you going to do? Are you going to blitz? Are you going to play man? Are you going to play zone? Are you going to drop a safe? What are you doing? I know one thing in the base defense on first, second. I'm, I, you're, offensively, you have a pretty good idea what we're going to do. And we have to do a better job, I think, in first, second down.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned those, those down and distance situations. Um, the sacks have to start coming. I mean, that's a huge play. We've been kind of explaining that away this year that – and there's only four teams that have less sacks than them. One of them is Atlanta. They have five sacks. But that's a huge play, man. And the other thing about it, it's a drive killer. I mean, you're in second and five. That's a great situation. You get sacked for 10 yards. Now all of a sudden it's third and 15. You're pretty much most likely getting off the field. So those have to start coming. And it's, uh, I just, to me, that's the, the one thing they've really got. I don't want to say clean up, but they've got to get that going. Because, and I'm not saying blitz, but these guys got to, you know, pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, especially this week. I mean, if they have Matt Ryan out there, he's not going to be able to go anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of times we've been saying, well, they've been throwing these five yard outs and things like that. Yeah. You know, the hurries, the quarterback hits, all that, that's all great, but... They need sacks. They need to get after the quarterback because I think they're equipped to do it.
2: Yeah. You would think this is the week that it happens. Uh, a Hobble, Matt Ryan, a Schwab comes in. He's not going anywhere. If I'm on, the, on this defensive line, I'm thinking, okay, this is the week that it happens. But I want to ask you a question, Paul. Um, you mentioned personnel, right? So when when coaches are up in the booth, they see what personnel the offense is bringing out. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me the the Hawks are sitting there and they're seeing the personnel. and They're saying doesn't matter. That we're okay. just gonna we're just gonna stay in our base, and making it, it, making no well, adjustment there.
0: Yeah, well they they've done that for the most part through the first seven games. There's a little bit less, I think, over the last two games. But the first four or five games, yeah, we were 70 plus percent, you know, base defense. And I think partly is they felt confident with their linebackers, they can all run, they can cover well. But you're not putting a line. You're not putting Kendricks on a slot. You're not going to put him on Ridley. Yeah. You know. And if you do, we're playing zone, right? For the most part. Yeah. Um, and I just think you you've got to have someone in that slot position where you say, all right, but we're really just going to play a four three defense. You're an outside linebacker. We're going to play zone there, and we're looking at the run on first and second down. And most teams do that. They match up. They see eleven personnel. Boom. They immediately put five defensive backs out, sometimes six. They don't care if it's first or second down. The Seahawks have said, we're going to stop the run, keep things in front of us, and when third down comes to play and we get into red zone, we're going to tighten things up. And we have. We're great on third down. Um, we're fantastic in the red zone defensively. We're 5-2. and two. So this is not a doom and gloom situation. But if you really want to get these guys three and out, I think we've got to start matching up a little bit more in first and second. Let me
1: ask you guys really quick, because we've got to go to break right now. But there's been some talk about Michael Kendrick, speaking of that. He's the one guy, and when Paul's talking about nickel, you're bringing a receiver in for, or I'm sorry, a DB in for a linebacker, and 11 personnels, one tight end, one running back, three wide receivers. Michael Kendrick misses a lot of tackles. But here's what I've said about him. He's and Bob Stelton made this comparison. It's like a shortstop with really, really good range. Like he's going to get to a lot of balls, and maybe it's going to tip off his glove. But another shortstop wouldn't even get there. I feel like that's the story with Kendrick. Yes, I've seen him slide off a few tackles, but I also think he gets there more or more easily, more often than other linebackers. Agree yeah. or disagree?
2: Yeah, I I, I see that in. And when you just look at him, you look at his size. Michael Kendricks. I don't know his measurements, but I would guess he's about six foot, maybe 5'11, 5'11, yeah. 245 pounds. Like mm-hmm. he's, when you look at him, he looks like he has a lot of range. And when I do, when I see him miss tackles, it's almost like on a punt return. I was a, I was a gunner on the punt team. And I hadn't tackled guys since freaking high school, but they put me on a gunner's punt team. And my job was just to go down and just take a shot at the first guy to to, to slow him down, and everyone else to come clean him up. So maybe that's kind of the approach that they're taking with that. He'll get there. He might not make the tackle, but he'll slow the guy down. And there's a Bobby, there's a KJ to come clean it up.
0: Well, and I, I think as coaches, you, you battle with this one. And, and I'll throw this out at you: Would you rather have a guy who makes ten tackles a game and misses two, or a guy who makes six tackles a game and misses none? It, you know, but those two are they're glaring. You go, oh my gosh! So it's the battle of yeah, but he gets to the ball so much that you know he makes some yeah. some missed tackles. Other guys maybe play a little more cautious. It's 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 the challenge you're looking at and that trade off all the time. All right,
1: coming up next, uh, we'll go inside the film room with Coach Moyer
0: and Coach Bumpus. Look at
1: three of the most critical plays from the game including what looked like a throwaway from Russell Wilson. That's next on Hawks Live.
2: Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN
0: Seattle.
1: Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino. They're treating us right out here, always do. It's a beautiful place out here. I mentioned earlier about Ten minutes past the last exit in Issaquah, and it's just a hidden gem out here. Great food and great atmosphere, so we appreciate them hosting us. All right, let's go into the film room, guys. Uh, First thing, first play, this is what I mentioned in the tease. Russell Wilson, I turned away from this play. It ends up being an eight-yard touchdown. I I missed a really good play. I should have just kept my eyes on the ball. But Russell looked like he was throwing the ball away, but out of nowhere came Tyler Lockett. Russell has
3: time. Pump fakes. Now he looks. Now he's got to get rid of it. A flag is down. At the throw to the corner of the end zone was caught by Tyler Lockett for a touchdown. The flag is down. Russell took a shot, but he throws it up in the corner of the end zone. And lucky number 16, Lockett, comes up with the touchdown catch. The touchdown. I'm telling you, Russell Wilson is an absolute magician. An eight-yard touchdown catch. When I thought he was throwing
1: the ball away, do you think
2: he was throwing it away, Bump? Uh, no, I don't think he was. If he was throwing it away, he would make sure it's in the back of the end zone.
1: Well, he put it in a place where I'll say this: where only Tyler could get yep. to it. But the thing that worried me about it is he kind of got hit as he was releasing the ball. He was sort of falling down, but yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was careful with it in that
2: instance. So what I see here once. The, the Hawks get into the red zone. They love that trips formation if they want to throw the ball. And there's been a week where Tyler Lockett has been the closest receiver to the tackle. He runs a corner, they throw the ball. The week before against the Browns, Jeron Brown was the guy who was the number three receiver, runs the corner, throws the ball. So what they do is they give the Ravens the same look they did last the week before. They're like, hey, look, we're going to get in tricks trips. We're going to put Jerron Brown as the number three receiver. Maybe they think that he's going to run the corner. They put Tyler Lockett in motion. He becomes the number three, and he runs the corner. Um, And now Russell just throws it up. He sees Humphrey has his back to him, and just like against the Rams, when Russell sees a DB with the back to him and he wants to go to a guy, he's going to take that chance and throw the ball. It wasn't the greatest ball. He did get hit, but – End of the day, if I am the uh, opposition, if I'm going against the Seattle Seahawks in the red zone, I'm going to look for the slant-slant corner combination all day because they've been really good at it and, and have been successful at it.
0: I got nothing to add there. Yeah. Was, you know, uh, just, again, well to me it's another Russell Wilson magic. Yeah. How to make something out of nothing. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's why it's so shocking. and You have to give Russell a break, but, you know, the interception he throws for a touchdown, you go, wow, that was bad, but come on, man. I was driving to the stadium and going... It's going to happen. At yeah. some point, he's going to throw an interception.
0: Oh, you thought it.
1: And you, and you said no, it out loud, no, too. I'm not, no, I did not say it out loud. Okay. No, it was not my fault. Okay. And you thought it, too.
2: Didn't you ask no. Tyler Lockett, like, you said he threw the ball, he spiked it a little harder than Yeah. You. What was his answer to that?
1: He said that uh, he told his girlfriend he was that was for her. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know. He just said uh, he just felt a little something extra. You know,
0: that Tyler Lockett's such a mean guy. <laughs> he spiked it hard.
1: Yeah, that's right. He's a. He, you know, he recited poetry for us. I I, I
3: asked him. I go. Guy. You know, I
0: thought
1: I was going to get like a couple of lines. He did like a whole thing, and he had it all memorized. Of course, it was it was amazing. So yeah, pick up his book, Reflections. Paul, I know you like.
0: I love poetry, poetry Dave. I love it when you, know, you read Paul's it to me is too. The
1: less uh, sort of familiar and popular man from Nantucket series <laughs> is what Paul likes to read. All right, coming up next. Uh, Marquise Blair comes up. I just love the way he played. they got to get him on the field, I believe. But uh, he has a beautiful pass tip.
3: Ingram wide to the near side. K.J. Wright is on him. Trip set right. The throw across the formation. Knocked down. Blair was right there. Marquise Blair to knock it away from the tight end. Mark Andrews. Marquise Blair is the real deal now. He, The coaches have loved him. He's just been a matter, Dave, of trying to kind of understand what the Seahawks' defense is all about. But
1: when it comes to a physical ability, he has been on every play. So Mark Andrews, their tight end coming in, who good he tight a, end. He is really good. He had kind of a rough day. He had a couple of good catches, but he dropped some. But he just runs like a six-yard stick route. So he's going to stick his foot in the in the ground and, and go angle right towards the sidelines. Tell me about his footwork there, Paul Marquise Blair. He didn't. He kind of stopped a little bit, but he he sort of kept him going. And the thing I liked about him is I know that a lot of times DBs will kind of panic and grab the guy. He didn't grab him with the upfield. Shoulder, reached with the long arm, and just tipped it away beautifully.
0: There's no panic in DBs, but I get your point there, Dave. Um, here, here's, here's what impressed Certain me. DBs yes, in the so, 80s wearing number yeah, I 21. Never, I, never got <laughs> call, I never got called for it, yeah. though. Um, you he, never got a pass interference penalty? Oh, I'm sure, once. yeah, yeah uh, it, it was wrong, but uh, they called it. Yeah, they me. were wrong, um, of course. What impressed me was just his closing speed. I mean, yeah. he he got his feet down. Mind me, a little bit of Coleman last year once he gets his feet down. And when you have a speed cut like that, and it doesn't matter if it's a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, a tight end who can run a 4-7 Four, eight, you know, when he does a speed cut, that first step separation, it's there. And it's really hard for a DB on a timing route to undercut that and make that play. He did. I mean, he as soon as he made it, he was immediately on the tight end's uh, hip, and then he undercut and, and knocked the ball away. He is a playmaker. I mean, he makes plays, and it's, it, it, that's never been the issue. Their whole thing was he's got to learn the defense. He's got to learn, you know, what you can't do, you know, chuck knox and bring those up here for you dave he, he used to say it all the time it's it, you're all gifted guys but the great ones know what they can't do and you avoid that and i think he's starting to understand that now is hey there's sometimes it's okay to get you know a ball thrown underneath you it's okay to to let other guys make plays do your job and i think that's what we saw last week
1: all right next play uh, unfortunately something the seahawks did not do uh, Lamar Jackson with a a big scramble, a 30-yard gain on third and eight. Jackson steps up to his center.
3: Clock just about ticked down. Jackson steps up in the pocket. He's going to break free. He's got running room. 20, 25, look out. 30, down the sidelines, tripped up and dropped at the 40-yard line far side. Making the tackle was Tedrick Thompson. He looks like he's hurting, and this guy Jackson can take nothing and turn it into a thirty yard gain in a heartbeat,
1: yeah, it looked like uh, Bobby was the spy guy again, a well designed designed scramble because looks like the fullback comes out of the backfield and blocks Bobby and just gets just enough a piece of him. I thought Bobby looked like he was running hard, but you know who's who 's going to be able to catch Lamar Jackson, and then when and you put a, put a blocker on him then.
0: Yeah, I mean they were looking I makes uh, think really uh, tough. K.J. Wright was on their tight end. He was definitely looking for the tight end. It was a was a stick route also... Uh, KJ had great coverage on him, and in that, that situation, it, it almost looked like it was a designed run. It's not. I mean, he. You sure he, about that? Yeah, go look at it again. I mean, he pulls the ball down. I mean, he's looking at him, and the and Bobby a few times had spied in that game. Where the go look at the running, but running backs looking to see if anybody is is getting through the line, and he's looking to pick up one of the defensive line. He looks real quick to his left, and then he steps up and he and he gets Bobby Wagner, but he. He is looking hard. Look at the end zone. He's looking hard at that tight end. Pulls it down and then takes off and scramble. We actually come off the corner with our nickel on the slot side to their their left, our right. We come off the corner with our nickel, so we got five guys uh, going after quarterback there. So yeah, it, it's a it's not a designed run, but it is a well. If that's you want to call it, your secondary play off of that. That you say, "Hey, if it's not there, we scramble." Yeah. I am going to say, "I am going to say, give Tedrick Thompson some credit here, though. Yeah, that was a great tackle. He had a guy right in front of him. He shed that guy, and I've never seen Bobby run faster and have a guy pull away from him faster. I mean, Another Lamar Jackson is world class speed.
2: Another thing that makes me... Even further, believe that Lamar Jackson is super fast. Whenever you got a defender chasing after you, and you do nothing, and he stumbles. That means he's just—he's giving everything he has, pop speed, yeah. everything he has. I Once you get that stumble left. in there, he's like, "Man, that's it. That's all I got." Yeah,
0: I'm cramping up running. <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right, coming up
1: next, uh, we'll go around the NFL, look at some of the trades, some of the. The teams, and I want to hear from you guys. This is a weird year. Like we talked to the professor about, there's a lot of uh, good teams that are feasting on weak schedules, and we'll evaluate the Seahawks schedule and whether or not they're a for real five and two team. That's next on Hawks
2: Live. Hawks Live every Thursday from seven to nine, live at Snoqualmie Casino on seven ten ESPN
0: Seattle.
1: Welcome back to the Snow
0: Casino Paul
1: Moyer, Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus and we were talking a little bit going to take a little trip around the NFL here, talk about rumors and you know uh, talk behind people's backs I and like things that. like that get yeah. together uh, like us girls like to do um, and the first guy probably on the list, Michael Bennett Michael Bennett getting traded shipped off out of New England Bill Belichick doesn't put up with a lot of stuff there but you know my first question was so he got suspended last week because of what conduct detrimental to the team however they want to say that but there was some yelling so my first question was was it on the field or was it in an office yeah because that makes a big difference you yell out on the field that's one thing but turns out it was in an office and he was screaming and yelling about playing time they suspended him and i know in his press conference he came out and they asked him, Did you learn anything? And he's like, No. So, I mean, he was being kind of defiant about it. And now he got traded to, uh, to the Dallas well, Cowboys. I mean,
0: Dave, you've seen him yell in a room before. And it yeah, from it was about
1: disturbing. Five feet away. It was yeah.
0: disturbing. I mean, his behavior was not normal, it wasn't rational. It was disturbing on how he did So take that moment, and you yeah. remember the moment. And now put that in a, 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 someone who's your authority. And you come in there and start screaming. I don't care who you are, what it is. You don't scream at your coach in a room because you don't like what he says. Yeah. Was the coach screaming at him? Right. I, I seriously doubt it. I, look, it it's just time. You know, We'll see what happens in Dallas. I watched the first game he played this year, and I was like shocked. I go, wow, he's still got it. And for some reason, whether he he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, which, as you know, that's probably 80% chance that's true. And they just said, you know what, we're a team defense. You can't just go do whatever you want. They, he only played 11 of the last 50 play or the last game. And I, look, I'm yeah. not a fan of him. I know he's done some great things, but I'd still come, you always say, bad behavior is bad behavior. And our, when you keep having it, you get tired of it.
2: Our producer, Nash, Toby, hit on the head. He goes, okay, the two franchises that kind of real guys in, the Seahawks and the Pages, are both giving him boot. Then he goes to Dallas, where Garrett, who I feel like has really no control, over the team at all. It's all upstairs with uh, uh, with the owner there. So um, I want to see: Does he learn from this experience as he go to Dallas? He go, I got I got a fresh start. I'm playing for the Cowboys. Let's change things up. Or does he allow the the non authoritative uh, Garrett to enable his uh, I guess his his bad behavior?
1: You guys ever have that conversation with a, a coach before? Because I have my last year in Denver. <laughs> I went to Shanahan, who was both the GM and the, the coach. You know who I went to first? I went to John Elway. I said, what do you think about me? I, I think I should be playing. And there was a guy playing, Dante Jones, who was a linebacker for the Bears, and he came there. And it turned out I ended up playing the last 11 games because he got hurt. But there's no screaming and yelling. You just go in and say, hey, look, I think I'm, I've done enough to be the starter and to, to play more. Why Why am I not out there? There's no scenario where you would go in and scream and yell at a coach when you're asking for more playing time or just having a disagreement with him about whether you're starting or anything that happens on the field
2: my, my dilemma was I, I was a free agent and um i had a, a solid first year and i worked my way up the depth chart i'm like the fourth receiver at, at this time and um for some reason i wasn't getting reps in practice and you know if you're going to play by the reps you get in practice and i'm and my reps are getting cut short And I'm not a yeller, I'm not a screamer, but I'm making plays, I'm making plays, and I don't understand why I'm not getting reps. So finally, I make a play in practice over a veteran. It was a huge play. Everyone was going crazy, and I slam the ball, and I just yell out, give me more reps. And that's as as far as I went. I didn't talk to a coach, and I just (laughs) said, look, put it on film. I'm going to make a play. I'm going to scream out, give me more bleeping reps.
1: Yeah, but on the
2: field. On the field.
1: Yeah, so that's a huge difference. I mean, you go into an office and do that, that's that's pushy. Yeah, it's
0: no longer that – in practice or a game, there's emotion. I, I, I get it. You don't want to see it often, and you know, I get it happens every once in a while. You go into someone's office and you start doing. It. I mean, it's premeditated. You're not willing to listen, and I. And your heart of hearts, you really already know. You know. You know if you're why you're not playing. You know if the guy's starting if he's truly better. And it's it, it's rare that Paul. Some, I didn't know. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm just. You know. What? I'm not saying. Most times you know, though. I mean, you do know. And, again, all you can do is say why. And if they give you the answer, you say, okay, I'm going to work on that. And that's all you can do. So, again, Bennett, we probably talked to him. We're blue in the face. Move on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm just looking at his numbers. And I'm looking at his completion percentage really bad last week, but that was because of that pig slot they played in out in Washington the Redskins and 57 percent completion there through an interception no touchdowns but he's got uh, two four five interceptions and six touchdowns you guys think Jimmy Garoppolo is for real I quite frankly in San Francisco all I care about is that running game I think they do yeah. a really good job yeah. with with their running game and that's really that and their defense is what makes their it their
0: defense is Legit. Their running game will be a problem. I mean, it's going to be something we're going to really have to prepare for. Garoppolo's one of those guys. You watch on film, I go, okay, good decision. Oh, wow, it's was quick release. Oh, that was really accurate. And then all of a sudden, he'll just throw some bonehead throws. You go, what was he thinking there? Um, so I'm not 100% sold on him, but he can beat you. He's good enough to beat you, and if he hands it off, he can make all the throws. It's just if he has to throw it 30, 40 times... I just think he, he will put them in, in harm's way and they'll lose because
2: of that. That's that's what I'm uh, I'm waiting to see is can he win a game? And when you have a good defense and a good running game, like you're just asked to manage the game pretty much. I kind of lost faith in Jimmy during the preseason when he said, he threw into like a triple coverage and he goes, oh, you just practiced on things like that during the preseason. To, to, and it, the answer just didn't make sense. It made me feel like there's a guy who just, who's just kind of winging it right now I don't think he's winging it he's professional he wins ball games what is he lost two games or something as a uh, as a starter for the fourers I don't know what it's something crazy but I don't believe in him yet because he hasn't been asked to win a game. Once you're asked to win a game and you got to make this drive, you got to put, put these series together, then you earn some kind of respect in the league. But they are 6-0, and so he's doing something right. He, they,
0: they can win with him. But I think the point you brought up is you, they're down 14 in the fourth quarter. Can he go win that game for them? I, I don't know that answer yet.
1: Yeah, we know number three can. Yes. Yeah, so... Well, I'm going to get your guys' predictions here coming up next, what you think is going to happen. Like I said, it's too bad that Julio Jones speech about winning on, one for Come on, Dave. Come that, on, that really? Yeah, It's A almost speech? an automatic win, Paul. Okay. No, I'm kidding. It's, okay. it's not. Right. It's not like the win one for the Gipper or anything like that. But we'll wrap it up, uh, make, our, uh, make our predictions, and uh, get you ready for the game on Sunday. That's next on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks, live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to the Snoqualmie Casino. Sometimes we have the better conversations off the air (laughs) sitting up here. But I was mentioning going into the break. So Julio Jones went and gave this big save the coach speech to everybody. And it's easy to imagine that because Dan Quinn, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, was here for a number of years. Just a great guy. Everybody loves Dan Quinn, Quinny, as they call him. And so you can understand why. But, you know, I was like, eh, I wish that uh, Julio Jones had waited maybe a week or two so that the Seahawks wouldn't be going into that. But what what, what is a speech, really? What What is a Charged. Speech, I think we had a number charge. of
0: those. It usually means you're on a big-time losing yeah. streak.
1: Paul, I was going to say, we had a number of those in the 92 season. Yes. We were 2-14 and 14 that year.
0: Yes. I said after the 12th uh, team-only player meeting, I said, I think that's enough. Yeah. They're not working.
1: Yeah. When the when you kick the, the coaches out and say, hey, we need to have a player meeting, sometimes the wrong guy gets up there and starts talking. That's the worst. And screaming and yelling, and everybody's like, <laughs> What's this guy talking about? God. Plus, you made a Happy point, hour. Michael, in uh, in during the break yeah. that, like how much does that really get you?
2: It only lasts you about a series or a play or a few plays because at the end of the day, you got to line up and execute a play against a defense or against an offense, and maybe that gets one guy hyped up and he makes a play, but you need eleven guys moving at the same pace at the same time. So I think in high school maybe it helps a little more. The higher you go up in college. Little less in the NFL. I mean, it's a business. You know, you got to get guys to realize, look, you're fighting for your livelihood. Forget this emotion. If you're if you made it to this point, you're gonna play with enough emotion and enough passion on your own. Now it's just about doing your job. So at the college level, I don't think it matters that much. I think. Great speeches and at the excuse me at the uh, NFL level, great speeches at the NFL level or after a game after you won a Super Bowl or a big win or a game ball or something. That's where I feel like it matters the most. We've had
0: we've had some good ones the night before games and it's emotional. But I'll ask you guys. I mean, you don't have to say who, or maybe can think about it. The greatest speech you ever heard the night before a game or during the week, and now opening kickoff. Do you remember that speech at all? No. Not one second.
1: Yeah. Well, we had a guy named Dick Manini who was a Dick defensive Manini. coordinator at Stanford. And uh, he was an old Marine guy. And he had this thing. I have to leave some of the expletives out. But it was like, charge the hill and plant the bleeping flag. And everybody was fired up. And then it's like, uh, now we have to go to bed. This was the <laughs> night right. before, you know. So sometimes <laughs> you have to time those the right yeah. way. But, you know, I'll throw this at you, though. What about Bobby Wagner's speech on the Cleveland sidelines? That's different. Totally. I, mean,
2: I feel like you're, you're in the fight. You know, It's yeah. not before the fight. It's not halfway through the fight. It's not after the fight. You are in the fight. You're throwing haymakers. And I think that that matters the most if a leader can grab some guys in the middle of the situation because now it's real. You really feel – what what the speech is about? Either you're getting your butt kicked, or you're doing the butt kicking. You feel it—the before and after stuff. There's so much time to lose that feeling. I think.
0: Yeah, you're in the moment. It's it's like a slap in the face, you know. Or some guys are just you're out of control. It's like a slap in the face. Okay, you're focused, and right. so you get a guy who's you know you know, can't do it all the time. I mean, it's like you know call you know you know call, you know yelling wolf. You can't do that over and over. People stop listening, but. You can time it right on the sideline. That has an impact to me.
1: Yeah. You know, Ring of Honor member Jacob Green. He was great. I, I don't know if it was second year or third year, but he got up, and I didn't know him that well. And he was the leader of the defense, but he, he got up, and I think we were on two. And he goes, who's going to make a play? I'm going I'm to get three sacks. And he wrote it up on the, the chalkboard, and I was thinking to myself, boy, this guy's full of crap. There's <laughs> no chance that that's going to happen. He went three. out and got three sacks nice. in that in that game. I was like, I'll never doubt Jacob Green again. <laughs> I but, went
0: up on the board and said, Jacob's gonna get three sacks. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't call him myself yourself, out. But yeah. a check next no, to but yep. Jacob yeah. was emotional. He would cry and and it was real. I mean it was yeah. from the heart and he would get me fired up and he, you know, I, I, I think I did one speech. It was 1988, we were playing the Raiders the Raiders. night before. I remember. We had to win to go to the playoffs. That was
1: the last game of the year. Yeah. And we were going to be 9-7 and seven we and need... win the division. Yes. If we won.
0: And, uh, and I, you know, I was just emotional because, you know, you just, you've been together with these guys. You don't know if you're going to play with them again. And it was a group that I just loved being around. And uh, we went out and won. We did give we up, did. like, uh 39 points on defense, but we did win the game.
1: Yeah, I remember John L. Williams running a bunch of screen. He had a 75-yard scoring, screen play. John L. Williams, maybe one of the more underrated guys from Florida, first-round draft choice, really good player. Great
0: coming out of the backfield, you know, catching passes. I remember that game as they were up six points, like 43, 37, whatever score was. was. And uh, they throw a Hail Mary at the last play of the game. And it's and I'm and I'm there and I'm next to Willie Galt. and I go oh this thing is coming right down I mean, this is bad I mean he's positioned right I remember stepping on his foot and taking my left hand and grabbing his hip <laughs> pants and pulling him down so if you ever go watch a film he goes to jump he doesn't get Nothing. one inch off the ground. <laughs> And you know we knocked the ball away, thank goodness. But yeah. you're
1: cheating your ass off, weren't you, Dave? Savvy you're ben,
0: only cheating if you get caught. Okay. All right. <laughs> no get, uh, no cut there.
1: Well, what do you, what do you think about this weekend? I, I feel like they're just a superior team. I mean, yeah, this too. their defense has given up a lot, and you know, for for Russell to go in there, they're number thirty one in scoring. I think Miami's the only. Team. Miami's like dead last in every yeah, category. They're Unfortunately they're not on the schedule this year. But yeah, um, New England gets them again. Yeah. New England's already played uh, the Jets twice, so they're kind of feasting <laughs> Miami, off that. But yeah. yeah, it's just it's I don't care how many speeches that they get, it's it's not as good of a team as the Seahawks. And I feel like they've done a really good job on the road this year. Yeah, yeah know. Only, only
2: losses are at home.
1: I'm looking at going, man, if they can find a way like if you could go six and two On the road, that would be a major accomplishment. I mean, you want to try to win all your home games and go 500 on the road, but they're off to an awfully good start.
2: I think for all the things that the Hawks want to do, this game is set up for it. The Falcons are 28th against the pass. They're giving up about 120 yards a game on the ground. They have a quarterback, whoever starts, Matt Ryan or Schwab, who aren't mobile, so our defensive line could get some pressure on them. I think this is a game that... Just get back to normal, get back to what the Hawks like to do, run the football, let Russell shine a bit, and jumpstart this defensive line. There has to be yeah. three to four sacks get the this year. sacks. I agree yeah, with you. It's, it's gonna, a big play. You
0: know, I hope. They're number two, you know, passing in the league, and they throw it a ton. And, you know, Freeman's starting to get on track. They got, you know, Julio Jones. They got a great tight end. They They got players. I think we're going to have to score some points. I mean, they are defensive. I'm just looking here on some of their stats. They're 32nd third-down conversions. They're 30, 30th giving up first down to 32nd sacks per game. I mean, they've they're really struggled defensively. So we are going to have to take it to them offensively because I think they'll move the ball. I, I think this is just an offense. And I'm throwing nets if they got Matt Ryan. If they got Schaub in there, we should take care of business.
1: Seahawks are plus four in turnover ratio. They're minus eight. So, not good. Um, Matt Schaub, if we get the backup quarterback in there, I don't know if you guys remember, 2013, the Seahawks go to Houston, and Matt Schaub had thrown two pick sixes the two games before the Seahawks came in. Richard Sherman picks off that bootleg pass and scores a touchdown. that was huge. That was the one where he ran out of his shoe. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a picture at the VMAC, huge blown-up picture of him stepping out of his shoe, returning that for a touchdown. He, He threw a pick six the next week. So I saw the prob- the likelihood of him throwing four pick sixes in a row. Can you like bl-
0: I didn't even know he's still in the league. Ten million.
1: I didn't either. He's like 16 years in the league, and he's made a nice career for himself. But I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Shaw out there instead of Matt Ryan. Amen. So. All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks for coming, everybody. We really appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, the, the, to the Snoqualmie Casino for hosting us. Special thanks to our engineer, Brenna Hutchison, board operator, Brian Schoening, and, of course, our Awesome executive producer, Nasa Chobe, for Shaquille Griffin. I want to thank the professor and Orlando Ledbetter from Atlanta for giving us an opponent preview for Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. I'm Dave Wyman. Thanks for joining us on Hawks Live, and we'll talk to you next Thursday.